Hello, and welcome to a, another episode of the Week in Review. We are not in a car this week, and there is more than two of us. Uh, I'm SD Wicketts, and I'm joined by Luke Perry. Luke, how are you, sir? Yes, I was the, uh, the second passenger in that car. If you haven't read the, if you haven't listened to the podcast, I, I recommend you do so, and um, just please ignore the sat-nav in the background. But no, we are all back in our you know, usual Zoom boxes, and I think something will end until... March, I think, and that is a weather report. It's now uh, it's now dark outside. The season's yes. of turns. Yes, I, I I I fear the report may have may, may have ran its course. We will uh, hibernate it for a while, then bring it back in the spring. Um, we're also joined by Mario Lagos. Mario, how are you, sir? I'm well. How are you? I'm good, mate. How 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 comes along the uh, the next uh, Bourne book special issue? It's coming on very well. Mm. Um... I'm writing the cover piece and we've got a very nice um, piece of cover art to go along with it. And I think people are going to enjoy it. Excellent. Excellent. We look forward to it. Those covers always remind me of heavy metal. and I don't know why. The the, the old comic strips. Yeah. Uh, that And there's a sort of retro element to some of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll get into the news and we'll start across the pond. Um, and apparently in the Arabian Gulf as well, because um, there's been a, uh, say, I was about to say a scandal, but this will by no means become a scandal because, you know, the press won't cover it in the way they should. But um, uh, it would appear that, um, to people like us at least, uh, President Biden is in slightly hot water. Uh, Luke? So um, President Biden, um, you know, the, uh, the bumbling puppet, as as I think he's aptly termed um Henry the Fifth is what I call him. Yeah. Yeah. He's that that sort of figure, meaning uh, what I'm about to say is, you know, is it his own deranged mind doing this or is it the mind of his enablers? But let's just divulge into what's happening. Now, for a bit of context, the American Empire is basically built on number one, the strength of its military and bullying smaller nations, see Vietnam, Korea. And um it, it's also built on the, the petrodollar which is just this this global interconnected system of oil and it states that oil must be traded in us dollars now uh, th- this is what um america has coaxed saudi arabia into for a very long though uh, how uh, long that system will last remains to be seen now uh, biden um has been uh, found doing a uh, particularly banana republic things as usual and he was um an, I don't think he went to Saudi Arabia, but he's basically threatened Saudi Arabia that it must keep the price of oil low or as low as possible until after the midterm. So basically prices don't uh, jump high or even higher when uh, the the Americans go to the polls and usher in the red wave. And um, these used, um, again, the the force and the might of America's global military in doing so. He says he said to Saudi Arabia, hey, we will pull all our troops and resources and air, aircraft carriers that you're probably using to bomb Yemen. And um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, you can tell when an empire or civilization is in sheer decline, when it moves, when it can't really enforce the, uh, the carrot method anymore, it has to go for the stick. It has to go mm. for the hard power. And, and this is what and, uh, has become. By, by the stick, you mean uh, hitting them over the head with it. Um, yeah, so it should be mentioned about Saudi Arabia that Saudi Arabia is currently in this kind of war of attrition uh, with um, Houthi rebels in Yemen. Uh, That's been going on for about seven years. Yeah, it's been a very long time since about the Arab Spring. Um, also, it's sort of locked in a in a geo proxy war with Iran over regional influence. 
um, along the Sunni Shia split. Um, so it is a nation that, yes, does actually require some degree of military help from the West. Um, I think what we what appears to be most startling about the story is the similarity to uh, the Trump phone call with Ukraine that led to his first impeachment or attempted impeachment. Um, or, or, or say impeachment, but not prosecution, um, was that, you know, he was attempting to leverage the US, USA's uh, military and economic power to get what he wanted in a sort of a quid pro quo agreement with a subordinate nation. The difference in response between the two, I mean, I recall being around the news cycle when that happened with Trump and it was it was it was fangs out it was a hysterical response to you know what has probably been occurring under every u.s president ever really but the difference between them and trump and biden and trump is that trump was an outsider um that 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 is the response we're seeing where as you mentioned Luke, by drawing the comparison to the banana republic um this is a this is a textbook case of corruption it is attempting to bury something that will harm the Democrats' midterm strategy or midterm outcomes, similar to the Hunter Biden story. Um, And it it just shows the complete moral bankruptcy of the office and also of the press, who, um, again, sharpen their knives for one story, then put them back in the drawer for the other. I don't know if the legal particulars marry up exactly, although they are obviously similar. But as you say, this is, as we know, typical of what the US does. The thing that was surprising about it is not that it happened, but that it didn't work. And particularly since we've seen the US in a sort of tour de force in the way that they allegedly or actually dispatched Imran Khan and carved off the Armenia Azerbaijan away from Russia and put um, Macron and Schultz in to mediate that in the way that they've blocked Kazakhstan from helping Russia and whatever other maneuvering and uh, in whichever way they might be involved in Iran. But it's interesting that Saudi Arabia didn't cave to that blackmail, I suppose you call it, or that ultimatum. Saudi Arabia is um, with the decline of America looking for friends elsewhere. The ambassadors for uh, China and Russia have been seen in Riyadh and um, the the Saudi officials have been seen in Moscow and Beijing. Well, I don't think they're looking to make friends with Russia. I think Russia's looking to make friends with them. I don't think many people are looking to Russia at the moment. Yeah, it's a buyer's market as far as Russia's friends are concerned. (laughs) But but, but again, it, it highlights something that you know we we've been aware of for for some time at least since you know we we sort of ingested our first red pill which is that there is a you know an entrenched double standard within the regime apparatus be that the press the military industrial complex or even high office where if you achieve a certain level of loyalty stamps in your loyalty card you essentially unlock a, a perk which is um enabled hypocrisy or at least like you're allowed to be a hypocrite. You're allowed to um, accuse others of what you do. You know, you're allowed to project. Um, I mean, you know, and, and if we look on the other side of this, you know, um, look in the case of, you know, uh, the, the press or the free press or lack thereof, where um, 
the regime press, you know, CNN, NBC, even the BBC to, to, to an extent, uh, consistently get things wrong. They consistently accuse people of things that aren't true. They consistently, you know, run just bogus narratives. They, they get exposed almost immediately to virtually no comeuppance whatsoever. You know, they get away with it. They get moved around. You know, look at the George Eaton story, for instance. Here, yeah, he was briefly demoted and promoted back again within a year. And I'll compare that to Alex Jones, um, who has been. Um, this seems to have been a story about ten years in the making because he he's he's been under I think civic trial um, for comedy made about the Sandy Hook, which he rescinded long before the legal process began. Um, has been charged with. He has to he has to restitute close to a billion dollars, which is money that he will probably never see in his life, nor most people will ever see in their life. Which again is just the financial destruction of a dissident. Well, yeah, that's been um, the regime's goal since was it twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen when they booted him off Twitter. He was sort of the first real sort of what they termed it the alt right to be booted off or something. He, and the, he was he, he was the the first that came for the trade unionists. He, yeah, he he's the first step in that. that yeah, and now they've sued him for upwards of a, a billion dollars. And although he has a net worth of about forty million, which is more than probably what we could all wish in our lifetimes to put together, yeah, he, he it's just an attempt to uh, Stalinist way of just making completely destitute. Not not Stalinist. But the, the East Germans are Zet zone where you don't lock them up, you don't shoot them in the head. You just degrade them, you know, socially, politically, and in Joe's case, economically. And sort of the final boss battle for him would be, of course, with the American appeal system, whether he can get this struck down on the Eighth Amendment, which forbids cruel and unusual punishments. Mm. Now, if Alex Jones, for for calling a school shooting a hoax, can get fined tens of millions of dollars less for oil companies that have polluted the environment, that that shows you where where the hand is played, and Alex Jones is virtually skint of that. And 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 again, it should be noted that the comments that led to this entire process were rescinded years yeah. before the courtroom doors opened. Years. Yeah. I don't know if he has been fined less than polluters. I think if you think about the BP Gulf of Mexico incident, um, I think that was in the billions, I believe. Um, but I don't have it in front of me, and it's just occurred to me as you mentioned it. Um I think it's worth saying before we go into it, um, as if it wasn't obvious that what he said was stupid. Um, And um, it wasn't a comment on a single occasion. I mean, he he prosecuted this thing for some time and clearly um, put people uh, in a position where they were alarmed, distressed, perhaps even threatened, physically, mentally, or at least perceived that they might be. And I don't think that there's no case to answer. And I don't think that there isn't restitution to be paid. Obviously, a billion dollars seems a little bit excessive. Cruel and unusual, I think the Constitution puts it. But, but again, also to, to, to compare it to, to you know, BP after the, uh, the, uh, the Horizon Oil spill, I mean, th- there's a very big difference between a private individual and a, you know, monolithic multinational corporation that is you know one of five companies who own oil as a, as a concept you know they will find four billion i just googled it. right okay so but again like what is 
the net worth of Alex Jones compared to that of BP? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, what I would say is this strikes me as because they know he can't pay a billion dollars, presumably, yeah. um, unless he is some sort of secret billionaire. Um, it, it is an attempt to shut down his organization. Yeah, you you can't you can't borrow anything if that if that is hanging over your head. You know that obligation is hanging over your head. But again, it's it's you know me and Luke have been saying this for for years now. You know the the regime of tomorrow won't kill you; it just ruin your life. You know, and um, and again, you you, you mentioned the, the 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 possible harm caused by the the, the brief campaign he went on. I mean, how is that any different to the journalist who? Attempted to have Carl Rittenhouse sent to the the electric chair, or the well, one I, who, who harassed Nicholas Salmon, or you know who who have accused any noisy people of being fascist, and people who have leaked addresses, you know, leaked leaked real names of of, of dissidents. You know, I mean, they've caused untold harm, and they do it on a weekly basis and get away with it on a weekly basis. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned those two names because I wrote them down on an envelope as we were talking. <laughs> right, right. And both of those individuals have received settlements from organizations like CNN. Um, I believe certainly Nicholas Sandman, as I believe. He became a multi-millionaire overnight. He received $19 million, right? I thought it was undisclosed, or otherwise I didn't know what it was. Again, yeah. that might be something worth looking at. Um, but it would be interesting to compare the settlements that are in the public domain, because so many of these are done out of court, or they're undisclosed, and or both, that we can't perhaps to make a direct comparison. But again, I, I doubt that Nicholas Sandman was in receipt of a billion dollars, even though um, I would presume that CNN uh, will have broadcast that story to a much wider audience than watches Infowars. Um, and then that story will have reverberated around the internet and have been seen by millions, tens, hundreds of millions of people. I remember seeing american celebrities you know um checkmarked twitter people singers rappers people in the music industry saying i want to punch this kid i want to smash this kid's head in of course you've done nothing wrong as came out in the end so um perhaps that's something I'll, i will see if i can find a number on hmm. there was there was that brief period and uh, nicholas was sort of sandwiched in the middle where the um the legacy press would just try and not go for Trump, the man himself, or his uh, associates in government. They would try and go for his supporters. Uh, I think a few months prior, you had Jesse Smollett try and you know fake a hate crime in Chicago by I don't know outside a subway and <laughs> fake news, and that that then proceeded to Sandman. And um, so yeah, that that's what that's what the wickedness is going on. It's the total destruction of opposition, be it big or small. Yeah, I mean, no, no, no one else can thrive, right? I mean, like, so, some people get through because you know, they do tap into a sort of distant economy and they, you know, but they're not out of harm, though. I mean, you know, because like, um, you can, you can shut down, you know, like web suppliers, you, can, you know, um, like cloud storage, like, um, what one thing to factor in is it isn't just like advertisers that sort of thing. But when it comes to distant media, you have to have a completely independent infrastructure at every level. Mm -hmm. I mean, like Amazon have partially monopolized uh, web storage. In, in yeah. you know, they they can withdraw that at the top of a hat. Um, Didn't they withdraw Parler's ISP? Yeah, that's what killed yeah. Parler. It wasn't it wasn't the app stores. 
because they saw the, the web version. Um, it, it was the the digital infrastructure being shut down, being withdrawn that actually killed them off. Um, but again, you know, these people will absolutely excuse journalists um, who dox people, who leak addresses, leak places of work, leak real names, knowing that by doing that and also by labeling them as what those people call a heretic, i.e. You know, racist, fascist, incel, misogynist, any of these sort of nothing terms, that plus being doxed exposes a person to utter, complete utter harm. You know, even look at the, the guy who tried to break into um, uh, Kavanaugh's house with you know, a, a, sort of a, a, a small retinue of weapons because the press had gone on the warpath against the Supreme Court who had, you know, uh, repealed um, Roe v. Wade. I just discovered that Sandman launched a suit for 800 million US dollars and settled with numerous media organizations. My guess would be he might have taken 10% of that, somewhere between 10% and 40%. But the suit he brought was 800 million. And it strikes me that the distinction between the case against Jones um, and, and Sandman's case is that the the prosecutors, although I suppose they wouldn't be called prosecutors in a civil setting, um, were quite sure that they could bring, and again, a conviction, but not a conviction in a civil setting, um, a successful result against Jones. Whereas somebody like Sandman would be would rather take 10% of 800 million than go to court and lose millions in legal fees. Yeah. So I think that's why we've got those um, unbalanced results. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, again, it, it just says, you know, um, there are no bad targets, sorry, bad tactics or any bad targets. Um, you know, uh, any any foul play that the, the, the political left calls, it is almost certainly guilty of to a greater level and more often. Um, yeah, and we, and we talk about the large amount of sums they've had to dish out to um, the Trumpington kid, but CNN can afford it. They can afford it two hundred times over. They're they're funded by people or funded by you know rich liberal billionaires. I mean we've all had the, the, the sort of the, the neo Marx statistic or the fact rather of that the whole media is owned by about six people. Yeah, these six people aren't broke. Hmm. It's kind of hard to be when you when you when you have you know a, a once when you own one sixth of the entire media landscape. Yeah. Well, I mean, as far as I'm aware, CNN will um, or do pay airports, for example, to show uh, CNN on airport televisions in the waiting lounges and things like mm. that. Yes. So they, 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 they impose themselves on a mass audience. And, yeah. and uh, if not for that, I don't suppose many people would watch CNN. Yeah, I mean, I can attest to that. I mean, having been in a number of US airports, there's always CNN playing. It's always CNN. But um, on on that note, we'll we'll uh, pivot back across the uh, the ocean and and arrive back in Blighty, where um, there's more to say on the uh, the uh, catastrophic premiership of Liz Truss already. Mario. Yeah. So last time we talked about Liz Truss, um, she denounced her mini budget, and the markets had reacted badly, to right. understate it. Um, and since that time, she's u-turned or signaled that she's going to u-turn on a number of measures the first is the top rate of tax which was actually and definitively u-turned upon so they're not going to abolish the 45 
P rate after kicking up a big brew ha ha about how keen they were to do it and about how willing they were to be unpopular. Um, secondarily, the media was briefed that immigration laws were going to be laxed um, uh, with um, regard to striking a trade deal with India. India wants visas. Uh, I'm not sure why, but they do. And we were going to re relax our immigration laws. Suella Braverman, the Home Secretary, who is supposedly or self-proclaimedly a border hawk, said she's going to tighten up control. And then the government briefed or the media are reporting that she has been sidelined and the earlier position still stands. Then further to that, corporation tax, the planned rise, which Rishi Sunak had arranged, was to be reversed. And now the Sun newspaper is reporting that the government are preparing to U-turn on that and that corporation tax will go up to 25%. And my instinct is that if the Sun are reporting something like that, then there's a very high probability that it's true. I don't, I don't think they would um, report against the government if it was unfounded. Uh, the Sun would never deceive, of course. Well, um, I, I don't think they'd, they'd, they'd take the piss out of the government in that way if they didn't have good reason for thinking it. No. So <clears throat> overall, the, the economic strategy was in the first instance, um, as, we, as we said previously, a sort of pound shop Thatcherism. Um, however, Truss's uh, self-proclaimed appeal was that she was willing to take unpopular decisions and see them through to the very end. So she was going to go ahead with this plan in the name of growth, um, and, and ride out the short-term unpopularity and, and the polling deficit, and you would see the reward at the end, which, in my view, there would never be a reward at the end. The economic policies were bad, and I'm not sure if it makes things better or worse that she's U-turned on them. I suppose better. I would like to see corporation tax go up and so on. But what it indicates is, um, to, the, to the general public, to the voting public, that she is weak. I mean, to illustrate the complete incompetence and also just utter nothingness, vapidity of the Tory party under her, which in general, um, is this new slogan to come up with the anti-growth coalition to describe those who uh, kick back against her, um, just, again, just vacuous policies. It has, it has earned the adoration of my mortal enemy, which is the Tory girl. Um, they appear to be all over this. Um, it's just, it's just, it's just again incompetence mixed with nothingness well i'm not sure why she can claim they're the anti-growth coalition when um her policies have sent that the the stonk prices and the pounds value absolutely crashing or even or even, or even that that her party have just gutted this nation industrially yeah you know <laughs> like it say anti yeah it's just it's, it's... i mean trust is, is willing to be unpopular but she, she does know in this you know fake democratic system we have there are always elections and um, the uh, the next election is much closer than the last one was in 2019. And so how long is she willing to have these so-called short-term policies before she starts seeing gains? Because as Bill Clinton's advisor says, it's the economy, stupid. And they're really not going to care how much offensive to Starmer is when they're, you know, they're starving, they've got no power, they're jobless, and they're desperate. I mean, we'll likely see sort of poll tax start riots as well, mm. but I don't think that I think the Tories, you know, decade and a half stint will very quickly end.
I mean, well, it should be, it should be pointed out that the the latest uh, Westminster voting intention poll by YouGov puts Labour at fifty one percent and Tories at twenty three percent. Which that, that dwarfs Blairs. <laughs> which sort of begs the question, you know, um, is is trust coming for a <laughs> coming for Alec Douglas Holmes' record of being sort of the uh, the sort of the intermediary prime minister, the interim prime minister in between one prime minister and a crushing election defeat. Well, as as I mentioned as uh, as I mentioned prior to us going on, um, pundits, um, what Aaron Bastani would call the big house pundits, have been saying there's something like a thirty percent chance trust could be gone within weeks or months. Yeah, that she could be defenestrated by her own party. I would like to return to the growth point very briefly and say. When um, Trust says that she's pro-growth, what she means is she's pro-mass immigration, uh, she's pro-casino gambling in the city of London, and she's pro-legalising drugs. She's pro-lifting any restriction on economic activity in order to enable economic units, which are human beings, (laughs) to make, um, to, to G up the economy in any way possible so that each individual can add a billionth of a percentage point to GDP when it's all tallied up at the end of the year. Um, Although it's sort of not sincere because there are things that we could do to increase growth. One of them is fracking, for example, Hmm. and North Sea oil drilling. She shows no serious signs of enabling energy self-sufficiency. So I think what it really is, is an ideological um uh ideologically driven liberal outlook on the world in relation to things like drugs and immigration that she dresses up as growth yeah it, it's someone who's also completely indifferent to whether or not the nation even survives into, into the next decade or not mm. oh she doesn't give a shit it, it, she doesn't, doesn't care okay i mean it's abundantly clear um god help us all god help yeah. us <laughs> and uh <laughs> On that uh, existential note, I think we'll leave it for another week. Um, Thank you to Luca Mara for coming on. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Cheers.